Welcome to the Imago Day Eastside Gathering Podcast. Hey, Imago Day. It's good to be with you online this Sunday. Man, it's been a crazy week as we think about everything that has rolled out starting on Wednesday night. And, and one of the things that I love about our church is that we're a church that is flexible and fluid and willing to shift and adjust. And so today, I know some of you are gathering as family, some of you are gathering with friends, but the big thing to emphasize is that we're participating in something the church has been doing for 2,000 years. No matter what the situation, no matter what was happening in the world, they still found reason to gather, to worship, to pray with each other, to take communion together, and to be the body of Christ, to encourage each other. And that's what we're going to be doing for the next four weeks. We don't know how things are going to roll out, but we do know that we're going to be the people of God. We're going to worship Jesus, and we're going to connect together as a community of faith. So today, as I was thinking about what, what, do, we, what do we talk about in the midst of a moment like this, and I was reading through the book of Philippians. As you know, we've been in a series called The Cruciform Life. What does it mean to be shaped into the image of, the, of Jesus Christ and really the cross of Christ? We've been in Philippians 3, but today I want us to spend some time looking at Philippians 4. You know, Paul is writing from prison to a church in the empire called Philippi. He's writing to a small group of people who are gathering in a context where there isn't necessarily medical issues, but there is persecution. And he's talking to them about how they carry their faith, how they live out this cross-shaped life in a moment that they're facing. And so listen to the words from Paul in Philippians chapter 4. He says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love... And I long for my joy and my crown. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. When I think about a a number of exhortations and things that he gives to the people of Philippi here, he gives a few different things to practice. And that really is what we are called to do in this moment, right? We're called to practice For the the last several years, we've talked about practices that push us into the gospel and simultaneously cause us to be the faithful presence of Jesus in our city and community, but also a prophetic witness of Christ. And he is calling them to stand firm in the Lord. The idea there is that there are There are waves and powers within the culture that are seeking to shift them, to sift them, to move them around, to keep them off balance. Uh, And we're in a moment that feels a little off balance, if I'm being honest. It feels kind of surreal that way. And yet what Paul is calling them to is this idea that their feet are firmly planted in Jesus. That means that they're not standing firm in the latest news that comes across the web. They're not standing firm even in their feelings, but they're standing firm not in circumstances, but in the Lord. 
And, and why that matters in a moment like this. It matters because Jesus is the one who reigns over all the kingdoms of the earth because our God is sovereign. And even though he allows sin and brokenness and a broken creation to, to have some say, at the end of the day, it happens within the limits of his sovereignty. And so when he says to them, stand firm in the Lord, he's saying essentially that in the midst of this really stormy, chaotic culture that the Philippians are living in, they are called to be a rooted people, to be a people who are not swayed, who aren't thrown about, who aren't tossed into the wind every moment where something shifts every time something hard happens, that they're going to be people who are standing. And then he takes this, this really interesting leap, as it feels when you're reading it, to, to rejoicing. Philippians 4, verse 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so the first practice is standing firm, and the second one is to rejoice. And I can imagine you're sitting there going, rejoice, like have you seen the stock market numbers? Have you watched the news lately? And Paul is well aware of that even in his moment. That if we wanted to just go down the list of all the reasons to be pessimistic, it certainly wouldn't be that difficult. But the people of God are called to be that prophetic witness. And one of those is that just as we are standing firm in the Lord, we're also rejoicing in the Lord. And that comes from the, the, the place of going, no matter what we face, that we don't face it alone. No matter what comes, even worst case scenarios, we have a God who has died our death and conquered our grave and is raised again. Like we have resurrection to hope for. And so as Paul says earlier in Romans, he says, nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. And so he wants this to sink down, not just in their head, but into their emotional level to rejoice, to rejoice always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And, and all through the book of Philippians, you see this theme of joy and rejoicing come through over and over again. And so what does it mean for you to maybe take a moment, take a moment and think about all the things that you have to give thanks for? We did that a little bit in the service last Sunday when we were all together. And in reality, if we were to just take one day, one week, one hour, and really thought about the miracle that we are living in called life. Thought about the relationships and the love that has surrounded us and impacted in our lives. We've all been through difficult things, but if we're paying attention, there is so much to rejoice about. Primarily, that joy is coming from being in Christ, right? Our sins are forgiven, 
We're no longer isolated. We're no longer alone. We are the people of God who have been bought by a price, who have been rescued by Jesus, and we are in him. And he calls them to say, practice rejoicing. And so Imago Day, what does it mean for us during the days and weeks to come while there is clearly anxiety in our culture for us to be a people who are rejoicing, not in some kind of like we're not paying attention, we're not clued in, ignorant kind of way, but a deeper joy that comes from the fact that we will be here. We will survive. We will be the people that, that carry life differently. Not, not to save it and hide it, but to give it away and to loving the people around us. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's the practice he calls them to. And the next practice he calls them to has to do with our posture and our fears. Right? He says, let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request to God. The idea of anxiety um, is, is just a reality of the human condition. And so it doesn't take a massive... Uh, announcement from the governor to create anxiety. We can be anxious about being late for a meeting. We can be anxious about all kinds of things. But that anxiety that wells up within us, it's a real thing. Uh, we know that. And what God says to us is don't be anxious about anything, which seems like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Don't be anxious about anything. There are some things that, that it feels like it's very natural and very right to be anxious about. So what is Paul really getting at here? What he's saying is just the same thing that Jesus talked about so often. was don't worry. Like we spend so much energy worrying and being anxious about so much that we can't control. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough problems of its own, Jesus said. And so what good does it do expending energy with anxiety? Instead, he says, don't, don't ignore those feelings. Don't ignore what's coming up, but, but direct it somewhere. And he says, in every situation, right? Every situation, that means small, big. In every situation, present your request to God. Do it through prayer and petition. And so if he's called us to stand firm and he's called us to rejoice, now he's calling us to pray. And brothers and sisters, man, this is the time for us as God's people at Imago Day, as brothers and sisters of Christ in Portland, to be people of prayer. Uh, we are going to be spending some time this week thinking of ways that we can distribute prayer requests, that we can call one another into prayer, and um, if possible, maybe gather in small groups to pray just as you're gathering today. Prayer is so necessary because what God is calling us to is to say that there's, there's real things to be concerned about. There's real issues to be afraid of. And yet at the same time, there is a place and a person to bring those to. And that person is Jesus Christ. And so he tells us in prayer and in petition, 
present these requests before God. But he also says this. He says, with thanksgiving. Again, it's this counterintuitive move. This is being written by a guy who's been in prison several times, who's been beaten up, who's been persecuted for his faith. But he's saying, when we bring that anxiety, when we bring those fears in prayer to God, don't forget to start by thanking God. Why would he say that? Well, there's a couple reasons. One would be if you go back and think of all the ways that God has shown up in your life, you'll realize that he has been faithful. One of the main takeaways from the overarching story of God is this constant call on God's people to remember. Remember when God rescued you from Pharaoh. Remember when God showed up and saved you. Remember when God provided for you. And there's something about having a memory that is rooted in what God has done for us that causes us to give thanksgiving in the fear of the moment. And so take a moment and think about, like maybe it's friends, maybe it's family, uh, later on today, later on this afternoon, to take some time and start to write out, God, where have you been faithful in my life? How have you shown up for me? What are these things that I can give thanks for today? And then incorporate that thanksgiving into these prayers, these prayers uh, and petitions and laying our anxiety and our fears before God. And this is one of the few places where we see that an action comes with a promise. The action is to present your request, to cast your anxiety on Jesus, and the promise is that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is that when we pray, God hears, and the Holy Spirit is present with us, and that as we yield those fears, as we cast that anxiety before Him, that the Holy Spirit is going to meet us in that moment. And it might not be an immediate like response, but over time as we continue to cast our cares on him with thanksgiving, the peace of God is going to show up in our life. And I don't know about you, but this doesn't feel like a peaceful moment when I watch the news. In fact, uh, the news is almost predicated on driving us into unpeace, unrest. And yet here's a moment where What will differentiate God's people? Could it be that it would be the peace of God? May it be that it'll be the peace of God. That as we navigate the next few weeks together, that we would be navigating that as people who have a peace that transcends our understanding. And the reason that that's important for Paul is because he's he's essentially saying to them, I understand that if if your emotions and your heart is going to be based around circumstances, it's not going to make a lot of sense. But if you're rooted in Christ, standing firm, if you're rejoicing in the Lord and you're casting that anxiety on the Lord, then you will have peace in the midst of a moment of anxiety that you will have something that wraps around your heart and wraps around your mind in Christ Jesus that is a protective, securing power of the Holy Spirit. So what is it going to look like three weeks from now? 
If we give ourselves to this kind of prayer and thanksgiving, we will be a peaceful people. We will be people that carry shalom with us. That sense that all is right between us and God and there's this kingdom of God harmony that we're walking in. And to carry that shalom to your next door neighbors, to carry that shalom to your coworkers. Because trust me, this is a moment for the church not just to trust Jesus, but also to announce and bear witness to Jesus. And part of the witness that we will bear in this moment is the peace that God gives his people. Paul tells them, stand firm, rejoice, don't be anxious and pray. And then finally, he tells them in verse 8, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. Now Paul's going to tell him, like, here's what I want you to think in terms of information. <laughs> One of the things that's so true is they had no internet. They weren't being inundated and bombarded by all the messages that we are. And if you're anything like me, I open up a news feed and it's just filled with these very sort of anxiety-driven <laughs> announcements. And it's not to say this isn't a serious thing. But what Paul's saying is, be careful about the information that you get. If you're getting your information from Facebook and from everybody's opinions and from every uh, clickbait article that's out there, more than likely your heart's not going to have a lot of peace. What he's saying is go to the, the gospel, go to God's word, go to your brothers and sisters and begin to think about what is true what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is excellent and praiseworthy. And so this practice is, what are we going to do with our minds? Some of us are going to have more time because things are being canceled. What are we going to use that time for? And what Paul's calling us to is using that time, that space to meditate upon the goodness of God, to meditate upon his word, to meditate upon all that he's done, his praiseworthiness, and to practice the love of God with those around us. One of the challenges that we have is that, yes, we can't gather in a big room. We can't run big programs. But the beautiful thing about God's church is that that we are the church regardless of buildings. Buildings has nothing to do with us being the church. We're the church because the Holy Spirit lives in us and we are personally and corporately the temple of God. And so right now, for us to be practicing our faith, to not be locking down and huddling up unless you have to for health reasons, but to be a people who still practice generosity in the midst of the fear of scarcity, to be a people who continue to practice hospitality when everybody is locking down and hiding away, to be the people who love their neighbor as themselves. It is the simplicity of being God's people in a moment like this 
that will be the biggest witness. That we would be a people who stand firm in Jesus Christ. We would be a people who are full of rejoicing in the Lord and letting our relationship with the Lord define how we see this moment. That we would be a people who are not running on anxiety, but are, but are paying attention to those fears and anxieties, but we are bringing them to God with thanksgiving. We're remembering all that he has done. And then finally, we are letting our minds be wrapping around truth and the goodness of God so that our hearts are guarded by the presence and beauty and peace of Jesus, that our minds are guarded by the truth of Christ, and that we would be a people then who are bringing, we are bearers of Jesus's shalom to the world in this moment. And Imago Day, I believe with all my heart that this is a moment when, when you and I, when our brothers and sisters from other churches live into the gospel in a moment of crisis, we will see people come to faith. We will see people who are living in anxiety and fear meet Jesus and experience the peace that he's given to us. We will find a way to be the people of God in a way that we haven't before because we haven't been forced into this opportunity. We may come away from this and realize we want to meet together in homes. We want this more and more because God did something during those four weeks. I'm believing that with you. Our staff and pastors are believing that with you, and I want you to believe it too. And together, our commitment is we are going to stand firm in the Lord in this moment. We're going to rejoice and remember all the things that he has done for us and will continue to do in us. And so we are going to rejoice we're going to be a people who cast our anxieties before the Lord, but we're going to do that with thanksgiving, and we're going to trust and experience the peace that doesn't make sense. But hopefully, uh, as we continue to practice, we will all be bearers of that peace. And then we're going to wrap our minds around that which is good and true and beautiful so that we ourselves in this moment will continue to be the Imago Dei the image of God that bears witness to the love and mercy of God in our city. And so pray for one another. Pray for our most vulnerable in the church and our city. Uh, take care of each other. Make sure that you're practicing the basic sanitary practices. We want to be healthy. We want to be able to serve people. But by all means, take care of yourself. But above all that, would you continue to pray together, to meet together in small groups and friends as, uh, as you're healthy enough to do? Because it will, be, it will be the people of God doing what the people of God do, not waiting for us to organize something. You're a disciple of Jesus. Find a couple other disciples of Jesus and come together and say, how are we going to stand firm? How are we going to rejoice? How are we going to pray and give our anxiety, God? How are we going to focus on what is true and noble and right? Like, practice this together. And I promise you, as you do that with a mindset that says we are here to love our neighbors and ourselves, we will bear a collective witness that we're scattered, 
there will be a bright light in Portland called the people of God, giving and hoping and bringing peace to this city in this moment. Would you pray with me? God, I am grateful for my brothers and sisters that are watching this, that are listening to this, that are scattered throughout Portland right now. God, together we want to confess to you that, that we are choosing to stand firm in Jesus Christ. Jesus, you are our hope. You are our salvation. You are the one that we're trusting in in this moment. And so, God, we look back and we see all that you have done for Imago Day, the seasons that you have taken us through. And we know that this is a moment, God, where, where there's, there's real fear, uh, there's real concern, but it's not a moment that you are unaware of. It is not a moment where you have abandoned us, that you are here and you are present and you are dwelling within your people. So God, we present our requests before you with great thanksgiving that you are the God who heals, that you are the God who meets us in our scariest and hardest moments, that you are the God who brings joy in the midst of sorrow, that you are with us. And so God, we bring those requests to you. I pray for our vulnerable brothers and sisters. God, would you protect them? Would you rally other disciples to them so that they might have their needs met, so they might be cared for and prayed for? God, we pray that, that this virus would, would go away. We pray for a vaccine to be developed. We pray for those who are in hospitals right now to be healed, Lord Jesus. And God, we also come to you confessing that we are inundated by so many messages but we are committed, God, to saying that we want our minds to be wrapped around your word, the truth of your love and your mercy and your presence. The fact that though the, the creation is groaning, God, we will not fear because we have put our trust in you. And so, God, would you shower us with your peace? Give us eyes to see those around us that are hurting and will you give us the courage to love them in Jesus' name? Father, we love you, and we're clinging to you in this moment. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amago Day, if you haven't seen our uh, email update, you can go to idcpdx.com to sign up so you'll have the most recent updates and find out what's happening. You can also give online and we would appreciate that. Obviously, when we're not able to gather, our expenses don't change. So please continue uh, to practice your giving. And the other thing is that if you go to the website, you will continually be given updates and all the latest information will be there. 